Okay, we've been waiting for this one for a long time, and we went in with sky-high expectations because Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was one of those incredibly surprising things. Now, with that movie, Bahe, Ian, and myself actually had the unique opportunity to watch it six months before it was released. The reason being, at the time, Sony wasn't sure what they had in their hands, and they were doing something of a focus group, if you will, and they were asking people for their opinions on this thing. Because if you remember Into the Spider-Verse, it was unlike anything you had seen before, even in animation. And so we watched that movie... And I remember watching that movie and it was unfinished at the time as well. I mean, there was still hand-drawn storyboards. There was a whole bunch of stuff that just wasn't complete. The CGI, the visual effects. And yet, it was still as impactful. I remember the three of us leaving that screening room, our jaws on the floor, we were literally speechless. I don't know how they did it, but this sequel had the same effect on us. We left Mm. that hall and we were like, holy shit, they surpassed the original. Yeah. There are maybe 10 or 12 movies that have done that. Like you think of Empire Strikes Back as being better than A New Hope. You think of The Godfather 2 as being a superior film. You think of Aliens as being a better sequel. Terminator 2 handful of movies, right, that can truly lay that claim. Across the Spider-Verse is one of those movies. It surpasses the original. And for me, the cleverest thing that it does, like we live in this age of superhero movies and after almost a decade of this era, if you will, all of these storylines are tripping into incredibly complex places with the multiverse and all of these weird characters and stuff. And yet, Across the Spider-Verse is the first movie that I've seen that does it in an incredibly accessible way, never loses sight of who the core character and the core story is, and has it rooted in emotions. Mm. That's how you push this story forward. After I watched this movie, I kept thinking to myself, how do I review this and take off the hat of being a comic book fan and a Spider-Man fan? Because obviously... I've read Spider-Man comics from the time I was six years old, so I'm going into this with a lot of pre-knowledge as to who the characters are, how everything works. There's very little explanation required for someone like me or someone like you. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, hell, this movie actually works on another level as well. Yes, the fans are going to fucking love it. There is so much there for them. But for the non-fans, there is such an emotional core to this film that it will keep you going. You know exactly what they're trying to do. You know exactly why you're crying. And I think that's just incredible. There are maybe there are maybe 10 people in the world who can write something like this. It's so just complex and beautiful. I think the best thing you can say about this film is that you actually literally don't really need any prior knowledge of the character other than having seen the first Spider-Verse film. I think if you've seen that and you can spell multiverse and have the most basic 
top line Wikipedia understanding of what a multiverse is, you are fine because this movie never uses the multiverse as a crutch. It never uses the multiverse as a way to move the story forward. It's just a thing that's there that our characters and our protagonists and our antagonists has to sort of traverse without it being just a crutch to storytelling. And I love that. I think you're right. You have a much deeper understanding of the character Spider-Man. I have some understanding. I've read the characters. I've known the characters for a long time. But what this second Spider-Verse film does is to, is to really just introduce you to the wider world of the Spider-People. We've all seen the trailers. And I think it never becomes a weight on the film. The movie doesn't pretend to tell you that you need to know 300 different spider people, where they're from, what their history is, all their backstory. It's not important. These are just characters that populate the world that is the Spider-Verse. And I think, like you said, being able to sort of cut through all that and tell a really coherent, strong story, this movie does it in spades. What's particularly impressive about the movie is that it tells an incredibly emotional story about Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker. But at the same time, it also deconstructs what a superhero movie is. It Mm. delves into all of the tropes that make superhero movies superhero movies. It talks about those cliches that pervade every superhero origin story. It kind of plays around with the cliches and then it subverts the cliches by asking you what happens if you change things, for example. Mm. It does it all in a very clever way. And I was watching the film and I was thinking, yeah, a decade on, you can have this kind of movie because the mass audience is so familiar with superhero tropes now. 15, 20 years ago, you and I would probably be aware of the kind of trauma kick that creates most superheroes. Uncle dies, father dies, parents get brutally murdered, leaves the planet that gets destroyed, all of that stuff. At the core of every superhero, there is that one moment. But now, when Guardians of the Galaxy is making $700 in the box office, you know it's beyond just the comic book fans that are watching it. And because of that, there is a mass audience that is well aware of these storylines and these structures. And so a movie like this can come along and deconstruct them without having to explain too much. Yeah, There's enough a priori knowledge out in the universe for them to tap into, which is very, very cool. And at the same time, they don't take advantage of that as well because they still cleverly explain all the things that need explaining. Yeah. And so even if you're going into this without watching the first Spider-Verse movie, I think it still works because there is a very clever, clever way in which they recap all of the events of that last movie. Now, we in no way are encouraging you not to watch that movie before watching this. We think (laughs) you should because it's a fucking brilliant film. But even if you do, you're going to get it. It's just so clear. That's what I mean when I say there are maybe 10 people in the world who can write something like this. It is so narratively tight and concise. And uh, it really makes other movies look Fucking lazy la. <laughs> and you know what it is as well? All those narrative moments that the movie needs to do never feels like a handbrake moment in the movie, right? The movie doesn't screech to a halt. 
the the narrative train that we're on still keeps going. We don't have to suddenly pause, pull out of it. Oh, we have to watch this little thing, backstory, history thing. And then, okay, here we are. It doesn't feel like a bad flashback. Also, at two hours and 20 minutes, there is not a single moment of filler. Every story bit serves a purpose and everything is tied into one another. It's just yeah. like they don't do anything for fun. Nothing here is for fan service. Yes, there are fan service moments, but even the fan service moments serve the story. And I think that's what's fantastic. Can I just say my only real annoyance, and I guess it's partially my fault for having seen the trailer too many times, when Spider-Man 2099 goes on the intercom and says capture spider-man and everybody does the you 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 you." like that joke was great the joke about the psychologist spider-man talking to the other spider-man sitting on the psychiatrist chair was hilarious in the movie but i'd also seen it in the trailer and i just feel like ah but i don't mind those so much you know why because both the pointy spider-man meme and the psychiatrist chair thing are things that we've seen on the internet so much. So they've put out in the trailer the low-hanging fruit jokes. Like there are so many other great jokes in the film that aren't in the trailer. So for me, that didn't bother me at all because even the pointy Spider-Man meme joke was at the post credit scene of Into the Spider-Verse. Maybe it's a me thing, but when that moment hits in the film, I'm immediately thrown out and going, ah, I saw that in the trailer. So it takes right. me out of the movie for a split second, I think. That's kind of my, my, my own fault. But you're right. There are so many really just fantastic gags and jokes in this movie. Never really grinding the story to a halt. There's no setup for a joke that the characters have to pause for. Because all of the jokes also work on multiple levels. There is a joke involving Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider, as being this incredibly emo <laughs> character. And you will yeah. laugh at it as an emo superhero joke because you know what Batman is and you know what emo yeah. superheroes are. But if you've read the comics and you know the Scarlet Spider and you know the history of the Scarlet Spider and how fans absolutely hated the Scarlet Spider, <laughs> like all of these jokes work on yes. so many levels. And that's where the cleverness lies. If you're a super fan of Spider-Man, there is something there for you. Even if you're going in completely blind, you will still laugh your ass off. Yeah. It's funny. It's complex. It's interesting. It's absolutely beautiful. Like I was cheering up within the first 10 minutes of the movie because mm. it was so beautiful. Like to behold, the animation, the art, the colors... Like, we urge you to pay attention to the colouring of this film and how it shifts based on character and personality and world and universe. It's unbelievable. There are moments here that literally come together in the way the scenes are set and drawn from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. Maybe later we'll do a spoiler cast if that's necessary, but there is such a... There's such artistic integrity here. The first one was beautiful. The first one was great with the, the subliminal touches with regards to the way Miles Morales and Peter B. Parker were animated and how that sort of ties into the hero's journey in air quotes. Whereas here, they've taken it to another level where, where the culmination of character stories are almost subliminal and then 
you only notice it at the end when everything sort of literally falls into place or becomes perfect. And I think it's those artistic touches that really take this second film up a notch. The first movie showed the filmmaker's ability. This second film shows off their confidence. That first film shows you the things they can do. The second film shows you why they're doing it. And I think that really makes the trilogy sing, really. I mean, we've only seen the first two, but I have no doubts that the third one will just blow us away as much as we've seen the second one. The movie, of course, still written by Phil Lord, Chris Miller, David Callahan, But Joaquim Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin Thompson, who are the three directors of this movie, this is their feature debut, my friend. Oof. This is their feature debut. Like, that in itself shows such incredible skill. And I think that speaks to people or this core group of people who truly understand the content that they're making. Mm. I think it goes back to some of the issues that we've seen with DC movies and Marvel movies in hiring just directors for hire, guns for hire, for example, to come in and make your film. What you end up doing is you have writers and directors who are writing stories and then filling in the gaps of this universe that Marvel is trying to construct. And so a lot of it feels like it's by the numbers. Mm. The James Gunn movies never felt like that because you could tell that he had a real attachment to these characters and the story that he wanted to tell. This wasn't something he was doing because it was a paycheck. He felt truly compelled to tell the story. As I'm watching this, I feel like these creators, these filmmakers had the story within them that was just dying to get out. And this methodology of telling this story, like they just wanted to see it come alive. Yeah. And I think those often make for the best movies. You're willing to, I don't know about try, but you're willing to take the extra step in doing a different thing. Like you said, you're not just you're not just another film as a cog in the machine to move the bigger thing forward, right? You're not all just getting to that big thing at the end. Here, you're almost telling your own story. And I think that really does this project a lot of good. Can I also just say, I love the fact that this movie ends. Kind of, but it does. We know that this is the first of two parts, right? So this is across the Spider-Verse. Beyond the Spider-Verse is scheduled for March of next year because they were mm. working on these movies simultaneously. Or rather, they were working on a movie and then realized that the story was really big and they needed to split it into two films. So yeah. next year's movie isn't a sequel. It's like Dune. It's part two. Yeah. But despite being part two and despite having a cliffhanger, this movie has a satisfying ending. Yeah. This movie has got its own three acts, which I think is, you know, where we watch too many movies. And I think when we say things like this, other people may find it a little bit too academic. But I think Fast X is a perfect example of this. The way that movie ends as a cliffhanger that only works when the resolution to set cliffhanger is in a week or in six months when the next season comes out. It doesn't work when you have no 
scheduled release date for your second film. Hell, it definitely doesn't work when you're still trying to write the damn thing. Whereas here, this particular middle movie ends having gone through a three-act structure and resolves itself and, oh, wait, there's still something left for us to deal with in the third film. And that in itself is just... It's not done enough. Lah. It's a look that a lot of people tend to ignore when they're writing trilogies. It goes without saying that all of the voice acting is absolutely superb. There are a whole bunch of new people that have been added to the cast. Um, Oscar Isaac, we met at the end of the last movie. He's playing Miguel or Spider-Man 2099. This one's also got a new villain called Spot, played by Jason Schwartzman. Isa Rae plays Spider-Woman. Karan Sony plays Spider-Man India. Daniel Kaluuya plays Spider-Punk. It's truly a fantastic lineup of actors they're all completely lost in their characters none of them sound yeah. like themselves i actually had to yeah. look at the credits and go oh wait that was daniel kaluuya as spider punk yeah. Yeah. yeah and i think that's fantastic even jason schwartzman who's got such an iconic mood about him because he often plays the same role in every film is great as spot and not jason schwartzman I think it's really, really cool. I, I don't know what else to say other than just you, re people really need to go watch this movie. To be honest, when we spoke to the Sony guys, there was a concern about how they were going to market this because it's an animated feature film and it's Spider-Man, sure, but there's a concern that it's... It's part one of two. It's part one of two, and there's a concern that people won't come out for it. But I think there is no better way to watch this than in a darkened room with great sound system and a massive screen. I also want to say this, and just like the first Spider-Verse movie, which is incredibly complex as well, mind you, because it introduces you to the multiverse and obviously not as many characters as this one, blah -dee blah but at the same time, very complex film, completely accessible for kids. So oh, yeah, I think kids will watch it and they will take away something completely different. But as an adult, you will obviously understand a lot more of the movie. But I remember watching the first Spider-Verse and my goddaughters at the time were maybe five and seven or six and mm. nine maybe or something like that. But they were very young and they loved it. Yeah. And I think these characters as individuals speak to children too. Yes, this is a very adult movie because the concepts that it deals with are quite grown up. Mm. But at the same time, you can take your kids for this and they will have a blast. If for no other reason, then the soundtrack will totally blow them away. Like, I'm watching this movie and everything about it sings. And I think that's what I love most about cinema. Yeah. When something like this comes together, the music, the art, the direction, the actors, the performances, everything just sings. And you are like, wow, this is what it looks like when something just works. Just works is both a good enough and not good enough explanation of this movie, of the way I felt at the end of this film. Everything just works. Everything sings. There were no bits where I was like, let's move this story along. There were no moments where I was left thinking, I don't know why this scene is here. Everything is enough and not enough at the same time because I kept wanting more out of this runtime. But man, 
I'm looking forward to watching this multiple times. I am too. I will also say, so we've only seen this once so far, but I will also <laughs> say, yeah, only once, only once. But I will also say at this point that this might be my favorite superhero movie to date. Yeah. The Guardians, the first Guardians movie was right up there, top three for a long time, along with Endgame, because both of those were beautifully constructed films. I think this one hands down surpasses both of those films. Just mm. with regards to cleverness, with regards to writing, with regards to with regards to just the art of filmmaking and how to yeah. tell a story, this one succeeds on every level. You need to watch yeah. this movie. I cannot gush about it enough. But for me, this is everything that cinema should be. This is everything that storytelling should be. I think it ranks yeah. right up there with great pieces of cinema. Not just great superhero movies or great films in general or great animated movies. No, 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 no. This is great cinema. No, agreed. Absolutely. Just absolutely. Go watch Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You will not be disappointed. We want to hear all of your raves once you've seen it. Reach out on our social media feeds, GogglerMY. You can also email us on podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp to the Goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. If you drop us a line on any one of those channels, we will send you a link to join our brand new Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast.